0: Jeremiah, and um, anyway, I, I wasn't anticipating using this verse tonight, but, so I don't have it on a slide, but um, the Holy Spirit just really started dealing strongly uh, to begin here tonight. Um, and so we'll look at the Old Testament uh, from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 10, and we'll just look at one verse. I'm probably going to give it to you in a few different translations. Um, I hear pages turning so I'll still give you a minute, praise God. Um, I love to preach and teach and so we're going to do that tonight And but just when I find myself um, and I don't mean it in a negative way but when I find myself stuck on a particular passage or a particular subject um i've just learned over the years that the holy spirit still has things that he's wanting to emphasize um from these passages and i don't I, I don't say this in the way of an apology because i don't feel like you know i have to apologize to you guys for this to you you know this Wednesday night group for this when i even just look back over the titles of the sermons um you know, over the last many weeks on Wednesday evenings, you know, you could make a case for, I mean, you could almost interchange the titles on the sermons. It's, it's all been in a very specific vein, emphasizing some very specific things. Um, I'm, I'm hearing different ones of you talk about, you know, look, seem, and feel, and how we don't go by the way things look, seem, and feel, and Aligning our thoughts, words, and actions with the Word of God. And so, you know, these are definitely things that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to us. All of this part of a greater study on the subject of tests, trials, and temptations, and understanding what those tests, trials, and temptations are really about. Now, if we know anything about our enemy, Satan, the devil, we know that he is a deceiver. The Bible also teaches us that he is a tactician, he, he is a strategist, he's a chess player, and he is constantly plotting against you and me. As I remind us all of often, we did not wake up in a neutral world this morning. If the world were neutral, it would be just as easy to read your Bible and pray as it would be to watch TV and, you know, eat chili dogs or whatever. We, we did not wake up in a neutral world. We face resistance when it comes to God's ways and to live life, you know, according to the plans and purposes of God for our lives. And we need to be aware of that. And I, I'm, I'm pointing that out not to try to glorify the enemy, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 that if we are ignorant of his devices, it will give him an advantage over us. Okay. And so we know that he is a deceiver. And one of the ways that he deceives or or tricks us is by making us think a battle or an issue or a situation is about one thing in our life when it's really about something altogether different. And I guess, you know, probably like a lot of you, I've had this sense in my heart and life for a long time, but I, I really think just here recently the Holy Spirit has, has expressed it to me in such clear terms that I am as confident and as bold as I, has, as I have ever been on this subject, and that is what it really comes down to is the Word of God. It all comes down to the Word, and what I mean by that, the tests, the trials, and the temptations There are all three different forms of strategies that the enemy uses against us all for one purpose. To keep you from hearing the word if you've never heard it, to try to steal steal the word from you before you understand it if you do hear it, to try to put so much pressure on you after you hear and receive the word of God that you turn loose from it and back away from it before it produces a result in your life. Or to try to choke the word of God out from your life so that it will no longer produce its results in your life. Amen. And so it's all about this. Now, the enemy, again, we're talking about his tactics and strategies. He loves to try to spread you thin. As a matter of fact, if we look at warfare, I mean, that's a, a, uh, I'm talking about like nation against nation warfare. That, that is a tactic, is to try to spread the enemy out, to weaken their, their defensive lines so that you can punch through those lines and, and these kinds of things. And so in the same way, the enemy working against you and me, he, he tries to spread you out. He tries to distract you and think you and make you think that it's, all, it's about all these different things when really and truly it's about one thing. The Word of God in your life. The Word of God working in your heart. Now, let's talk tonight um you know sometimes uh we're we're because my son is i guess that makes the family a star wars fan and if you don't think about star wars it started in episode four (laughs) it went four five and six and then many years later they did one two and three and so in that same mindset tonight you know we're talking about what does the word say and how it's all about the word let's back up from there for a moment That's episode four. Let's go to episode one. And what we see in episode one is Adam and Eve in the garden. God created them, and he created them to be dependent upon him. He created them to be in relationship with him, to be in fellowship with him. He created them and therefore created you and me. This is very important. I'm going to show it to you in Jeremiah 10 in just a second. He created them, therefore created you and me in such a way as to where we need to get the information, right, that we have to have to live from Him. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. It says in the New King James Version, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Now, that's probably more than enough. But let me give you, if I could, just a few more translations. In the New International Version, it says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. The English Standard Version says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Basically, a lot of these are are similar. Um, The King James Bible says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, I know that a person's way of life is not his own, no one who walks determines his own steps. What is he saying? What? Think about this for a moment, okay? If you understand computers, and if you understand them a lot, you understand them way more than me. But it's one thing to have a computer, it's another thing to have the operating system in that computer that enables it to function and produce results. So when we were created by God, we were created in His likeness and image, but the operating system that we need, the way of man, the way to live the life that God created us to live, it's not in us. So, you know, in today's uh, world, if you buy a computer, it comes with an operating system installed. So if you buy a Mac product, it's going to come with an Apple-based operating system. If you buy a Windows-based computer, so forth and so on, right? But the operating system is there. We take it for granted that they're one and the same, but they are not. The hardware is one thing. The software that goes into the hardware is something completely different. And so if you can understand that concept, this is in essence what the Word of God is saying. God created us, we're the hardware, so to speak, but He has the software that we need. In other words, we were created by God to be dependent upon Him for the information that we need to live the life that God created us to live. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, why in the world would He do such a thing? It's called created for fellowship. In other words, He, he wanted us to, to have that kind of connection with Him, that kind of relationship with Him. Pam and I different things around the house that I don't know how to do. If I ever need to know how to do something that I don't do, I can just, hey baby, how, what do I need to turn this washing machine on to, right? In other words, we live in fellowship with one another. She knows things that I need to know to order to do certain things in life that I don't know, but it's okay, she's right there. All I have to do is ask. And, you know, when she picks herself up at four and realizes that I'm fixing to wash some clothes, she's like, praise the name of the living God, right? now, I'm kidding. Amen. Amen. If you put something red in with the whites early in your marriage, you'll never be asked to wash again. That's what I've learned. So, but anyway. Um, it's, it's a, that's not a joke. That's the truth for me, though, brother. Anyway. Amen. So, He says that the way of man is not found in him. This is not a cruel joke. It just goes down to the way God created us, and it's so important that we understand this. So do you see now why the enemy is trying to keep you from ever hearing the word of God? This is the operating system. God's words are the software that you need for your hardware in order to live the life that God created you to live. Now, I said part one, part one, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve in fellowship with God, God communicating with them. He comes in the cool of the evening. He hangs out with them. There's dialogue. There's conversation. It's face-to-face. It's a beautiful thing. But notice how the enemy got involved in this situation and was able to direct or divert their focus away from what God said into looking at the fruit from the knowledge of the tree of uh, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil from that tree. They begin to see it in a different light, they begin to think of it in a different way. And they wound up violating the operating system, in other words, the commands, the instructions that God had given to them. This was the strategy of the enemy against them, and it is the strategy against you and me. So when God comes and they're hiding, He asked them some questions, not because He didn't know the answers, but He was trying to get them to speak it out of their mouths, but also He was asking those questions for our benefit. And one of the questions that He asked them was, who told you you were naked? Because what we have here is information within the heart of the man that God created that did not come from God. God didn't tell them that. In other words, they had... They had come to this conclusion or they had had arrived at this information from a source other than God and His Word. We read so much about this, you know, episode in the Garden of Eden. Some people ask me, you know, do you believe that that is literally how it happened? I believe that is literally how it happened. Obviously things were of a different sort in those days as far as the the veil between the physical world and the spirit world and and um, you know the fact that we don't see as clearly into the realm of the spirit as they did has more to do with all the generations that have passed since the fall of man. If you remember Adam's children were born of corrupted seed, yet they're having audible conversations with God. And we see that as the years unfold the scriptures that people are becoming less and less God-conscious and more and more sin-conscious, more and more self-conscious. But thanks be to God, we have that view by faith into the realm of the Spirit, do we not? Matthew was talking about it Sunday morning. Will the Holy Spirit not show us even things to come? And, And yes, He will. So the way of man is not found in him. And it is not in us. It is not, can I say it this way, on board what we need to know in order to direct our own lives. We are dependent upon God for that information. And that information is His Word. So when I tell you that the enemy is basically focused on one thing and one thing only keeping you from the Word, keeping you from understanding the Word if you hear it, stealing it from you if you hear it before you become established in it, choking it out if you ever do become established in it, and and getting you to, to, to turn loose of it after you hear it and understand it. Do you see why that is the case? Because if He can keep you from ever hearing what you need to know, which will provide the information for how He created you to live, He can keep you manipulated and keep you defeated in life. Sweet Jesus. Turn with me to James chapter 1 again. Amen. James chapter 1 in verses 2 and 3. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in addition to the way of man not being in us. There is something very important in us. And that's the measure of faith. Romans 12 and 3 says God's given to every person the measure of faith. Faith is awakened or aroused in your life in your heart by hearing the word of God. And we just looked at it in class a few minutes ago. 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So the faith that is needed to defeat the enemy is already on board in your life. What is it missing? It's missing the Word. The Word is what awakens it. The Word is what brings it to life. The Word is what activates it. So do you see why the enemy is trying to keep you from ever hearing the Word? If he can keep you from ever hearing the Word, he can keep the faith that's in you that can defeat him and can cause you to be successful and victorious in life from ever being activated. So it's keep you from hearing the Word at all costs. And we've talked about this, and and if I'm being repetitive, I I don't apologize. I know that I'm being. I hear myself being repetitive. And I even like, I've got, I don't know how many slides, I don't know how many notes I've got on this subject. There are things about Jesus' temptation that I thought we would have talked about four weeks ago. I woke up this morning excited about talking about it tonight, and it's like, okay, not yet, not yet, not yet. I so desperately want us all to get this myself included. So again, let's go back to what we talked about some last week. The devil has tried your whole life to paint God's Word in in an unfavorable light to you, to paint it in an unfavorable picture to you. He's tried to make you think that it's a book of telling you what you can't do. He's tried to make you think that it's a book you can't understand. He tried to make you think it's boring. He's tried to make you think that it's not relevant. He's tried to make you think that it's outdated. He's tried to make you think that there's nothing in there for you. He's tried to make you think that the worst thing in the world you could ever do is try to understand the Bible. He's tried to tell you, look, if you're going to get into this God thing, just let the preacher tell you whatever you need to know. Don't go too crazy with this thing. Start reading it for yourself. Everything he can possibly do to keep you from the Word of God. Mark Barclay is one of the ministers that preach each year at the, at the men's conference. He's, he's a Marine. And uh, he calls himself the preacher of righteousness. And he's, he's, he's something else. I enjoy Brother, brother Mark Barkley. But he was preaching on this a few weeks ago uh, on Believer's Voice of Victory Network. And he's like, to his people, he's just like, read the book! Just read the book! Would you just read the book already? I mean, just every possible way you could... You could, he could say it. He just kept saying it over and over and over and over again. Read it, read it, read it. Why is it so hard to read it? Why is it so hard to read it every day? Read the book. I'm telling you, if it's the last thing in the world the devil wants you to do, it needs to be the first thing you do every day and throughout the day. And I'm telling you, tonight, by the Holy Spirit of God, it is the last thing in the world the devil wants you to do. He's trying to keep you from the Word, because the Word of God contains within it the way of man. Not, not um, Let's go remember what Jesus said in John the 14th chapter, I am the way. He is the way, but he's also the Word. He's the living expression of God's divine intelligence. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the Word, Jesus is the example, Jesus is the Word made flesh, Jesus is the Word lived out loud in front of us. I know this may sound very obvious, but I'm going to state it. I just keep saying, there's no need to say that. People figured that out already, but let's say it, okay? If the enemy is successful in his efforts to keep us from the Word of God, from the way of God for our lives, we're not just going to go you know, um, like, you know, you can turn a computer off, you can shut it down, you can, what, put it to sleep. We're not just going to go over into some corner of the world and go to sleep. No, we're going to keep living. Psalm 82 says it this way, they just keep pressing on in darkness. So if we don't have the way in us, we're going to find a way to do this thing called life. And again, this is where the enemy is right there offering us all kinds of alternate ways. All kinds of different things. And again, where does this stuff come from? Where does this way of life that people function by on planet Earth come from? It comes from people's experiences. It comes from how other people have done it. What other people have learned. And, and so we, we learn life from other people instead of learning life from our Creator and His Word. So you take one aspect of your life. Take finances, for example. What we have learned about money from the world versus what we have learned about money from God. See, he, he, here, let me... I'm not, I'm not prepared enough tonight to definitively say never, so I'm going to say rarely. Rarely, if ever, can, I, can we go there? Rarely, if ever, does someone discover God's ways apart from God's Word. Now, I'll tell you what people do. They, they catch a glimpse of it when, you know, let's say they do something to help a child and they get this really awesome feeling from it. You, you follow me? <laughs> In other words, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so people actually give and do something for somebody else. And in that moment, it's like, wow, I should do this more often. But we never do it again. Because what we just did is we just ran across one of God's ways by accident. And we experienced a temporary benefit and result from it in our lives. But the enemy's very quick, very, very quick in those moments to say, look, don't get too carried away with this now. See, you didn't even know that it was the Word of God When you experienced it, but the enemy was there to steal it before you ever even figured out this is actually a part of God's way of living. He doesn't want you to ever discover those things, you to ever start to function in those things. So, the point I'm trying to make then is the, the only way that we can find or the only place that we can find the way of man, in other words, the way that God created us to live, is from Him and His Word. Amen. It's from Him and His Word. I'm getting some peace in my own heart about this, but I'm just going to ask, are you, is this making sense to you? Are you following this? Okay. So this brings us then to James chapter 1, again, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? It produces patience or it produces endurance. Now, I know we've said this already, but let me me say it more thoroughly, okay? Faith is awakened when we hear the Word of God, but it's released when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with it. So you hear what God says about money, you align your thoughts with it, you begin to say it, and then you begin to do it. You've got got Satan in panic mode because the last thing in the world he ever wants you to connect in your heart and in your life experience is giving and tithing and reaping and harvesting. He never wants you to connect those things together. Because if you ever experience the results of doing life God's way, And when you realize how much superior... See, the world's got an economy. The world's economy is a buying and selling economy. That's the world's way. All that's in the world. All that's in the world. The Bible uses that expression, right? The world's way of doing money is the ways of buying and selling. So even when it comes to your labor and skills... When you go to work for someone, you sell them your time and ability and knowledge and skills for a predetermined amount of money, either an hourly rate or a salary weekly rate. It's a buying and selling economy, and we, that's the economy we were raised in. That's the economy we're familiar with. That's, that's what we understand. The kingdom does not operate through buying and selling. God's ways are higher than buying and selling. God's ways are sowing, planting, and reaping. And to every person alive, God is consistently supplying bread to eat and seed to sow. But we have gotten so used to eating everything that we get, we never have anything to sow we call everything in our lives bread and we consume everything that comes into our lives upon ourselves and we never understand that we were to eat part of it and to plant part of it. These are God's ways. Now the thing about buying and selling, you, you can buy and sell and get some cash flowing pretty quickly, especially if you're willing to you know, panic mode. Don't judge me, I sometimes watch uh, the the Pawn Stars uh, show because I'm fascinated at what people bring in and the stories, the history behind those things. But part of me can't bear to watch it because you know that those folks are desperate and they're about to sell their great granddaddy's uh, World War II medals for a fraction of what they're worth monetarily, not to mention, sentimentally, what have you. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to watch sometimes. But if you're desperate, you can get some money pretty quick in the world system. The thing about planting and harvesting is that takes some patience, or could I use the word, some endurance. you got to be willing to plant it, and you got to be willing to water it, and you got to be willing to not dig it up and eat it. See? So, you start, you hear it, you, it awakens the faith to do it, you align your thoughts, words, and actions with it, but remember, you plant, you water, you protect, you harvest. There's a time. That's why if you'll continually plant, there will come a day when you continually harvest. Do you see? But there is a lag time. The Bible says that he plants the seed and he goes to bed. And he knows that he just initiated, the farmer just initiated a process that will produce a result, but it's going to take some time. So it's in that time between believing God, Hebrews talks about this, and receiving the results, receiving the harvest, this is where we are so vulnerable because the enemy is trying to get you to dig the seed up. He's trying to get you to back off of what you've believed before the harvest ever comes in. Because let me tell you, when you start planting and being and enduring until the harvest, and you start seeing how much quicker you can get ahead in life financially by planting and, and harvesting instead of buying and selling. Amen. Amen. You, you, you see what I'm saying? The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin say that a thousand times, but until you actually start to experience the joys of salvation, you can believe it even in your heart. Yes, Pastor Mark, I agree with you. But because you've experienced the pleasures of sin and have not yet experienced the joys of salvation, the experience will win out if you don't watch yourself. So the same is true when we talk about these things. But if you can ever taste and see that God is good, if you, if you can ever experience Him and see that sure enough, the pleasures of sin are not even to be compared with the joys of salvation because the joys of salvation are so much greater. If you can ever taste and see what it means to shift into God's economy of sowing and reaping and do that consistently enough to where you start experiencing the miraculous increase of God in your finances... So do you see now, this is is what we mean. Folks, folks have their system of obtaining in this life. But Jesus walked right up in the middle of us, and this is what he said in no uncertain terms. Give, and it will be given unto you. Give, and it will be given unto you. It's the the kingdom way. It's the operating system. Let me say it another way. If God pre programmed us when He created us, there'd not be a selfish, stingy person in this room. He would have programmed you to give because it's His way. He would have programmed you to serve because it's His way. What did He say about promotion? If you want to be promoted, what do you do? You humble yourself, you serve. It's the key to promotion. It's the master key to life. Humility is the master key to life. If God had pre-programmed us with the way to live on board, right, we'd be washing the feet of people who were about to go betray us, knowing that they were going to go do it. We would have fed people the meal that they used the energy from to go betray us. That's what Jesus did. Jesus fed Judas. Didn't wash his feet. He went with a full belly and clean feet to betray Jesus, and Jesus wasn't surprised by it at all. See, if we were pre-programmed, remember what God said to us? Remember what Father said to us the other day, that he's incapable of selfishness? If we were pre-programmed, we would be incapable of selfishness. We, We wouldn't even know how to be selfish. We don't even know how to do selfish. Are you following what I'm saying here? These are the ways of God. This, This is the way that didn't come on board but has been made available to us through his word. And the enemy is scared out of his mind that you're going to hear it, that you're going to receive it and believe it, that you're going to align your thoughts, words, and actions with it and begin to rise out of the mess that he's tried to keep you trapped in most of your life. Thank you, Jesus. So God communicates with us. You can stand with me. Let's stand. Amen. There's a whole other section of this. I started to tell you this where we'll start next week, but I swear I thought we'd start this week, so... If I if I'm sound all whatever, I don't mean to be. I, I'm excited about this. I had a very long conversation with a, with a dear friend who's... I mean, God is redirecting her life in a huge, huge way. And she's heard from him. I know that she has. And it's a big, big step of faith. A huge step of faith for her. And... Um, Anyway, I had the opportunity yesterday for almost an hour to take all that we've been learning here and just condense it down and just encourage her. And, and, you know, it was just one of those divine appointments. Let me just say it that way. And it's like the more that I repeated to her. It's like the Holy Spirit was just saying it right back to me. In other words, you understand there's knowing, right? And then there's knowing. And then there is knowing, knowing. And then there's knowing that you know, that you know, that you know. In other words, the point is, it just keeps getting more established. It just keeps getting stronger and deeper, and, and it's more confidence and more trust, and and it, and it's that's growing in faith. It's it's the word of God becoming engrafted into you. You take a plant that receives graft. It's not just that the graft accepts the the different plant. You graft it in, and that plant becomes the graft. It takes on the nature, the characteristics, the the, the, the very DNA of the plant that's grafted into it. He said when we receive the word of God with meekness and graft it in with humility, we keep humbling ourselves. And sometimes you have to humble yourself. I, I know for me, you have to humble yourself to keep almost preaching the same identical message six Wednesday nights in a row. Man, the Word of God is a lot of things, and one of the things it is, is a hammer, and it's chipping away. Chip, 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 right, it's chipping away, and it's breaking the rocks into pieces. Amen. And breakthrough, my brother, sister, breakthrough, breakthrough. The Bible says that we need two things. I mean, there's a lot of things, but I mean, combine these two things together. A clear vision and a straight path. A clear vision and a straight path. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Strengthen the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. What is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying that we need the Lord to show us clearly and definitively The thing that we need to focus and concentrate our efforts on in this moment, in this season of our lives. Because again, it's the enemy who fragments. It's God who brings our lives into laser-like focus. And I'm telling you, church, that he is speaking to us about aligning our thoughts and our words and our actions with what his word says And not allowing the enemy to hoodwink us by drawing us away back into focusing on the way things look, seem, and feel. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that I've already heard this week of people, Lord, in this this congregation, in this family of faith who have aligned their thoughts, words, and actions with your word. And they're already beginning to see the results and the breakthrough and the harvest manifest in their lives. Father, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, tonight for helping us receive, Lord, this word, not just in a way that we can write it on a piece of paper and take some notes, not just in a way, Father, so that we can have a conversation with somebody about it tomorrow, but, Father, that we would receive this word and graft it in to our very hearts and minds. Father, that as different challenges and situations arise in our lives, that the first words out of our mouths would be, what does the word say? And that we would our thoughts with your word and not the problem, not the, not the diagnosis, not the, the, the situation as it looks, seems, and feels, but Lord, what does your word say? Father, I bless these men and women. I release your favor from your kingdom upon them. I thank you, Father, tonight for your gift of wisdom and your gift of repentance in our our lives. It's working, your word's working in us, Father. Lord, you are giving us the ability to have a new perspective on life and living for you, and we thank you for that. We receive it humbly, sir. Help us to take what we're hearing and put it into practice in our lives. Help us, Father, tonight to be aware of the tactics of the enemy to try to divert our attention away from what the battle's really over and it's over your word because your word is your way. And Lord, your way is not in us if we don't receive it from you. Thank you, Father, for the days ahead, Lord, for for the rest of this day, the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.